You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy. If you uh, if you looked at the bulletin, you got really excited when you got to this page because there's one thing there. Like Rob can't preach that long, can he? When there's only one thing there. But then you got to this page, and then you're like, darn it. Six implications. What time is that picnic start? Uh, I will say this. There's simple implications. There's six implications. And the number six uh, means incompletion. And when we get done with today's story, uh, things will be incomplete. Things won't be resolved. So I think that's kind of cool. Uh, anybody need a Bolton? I have that only, only for that reason, just to mention that. Well, we're week two in our series, Family Feud. And last week, Logan kicked off the series. It's a nine-week series. We're in the last third of Genesis. And Logan presented two extremes, Jacob, who did nothing, and, and the brothers who overreacted. And, and I love the conversation in care group this week because what we said was that we, we have to learn to live within the tension of the middle ground of, of actually engaging, but engaging the way God wants us to engage. Not, not living out here in these extremes. Uh, great sermon. Go and listen to it if you, if you missed it. But we're going to be in Genesis 37 today. And so let's start in verse 1. Now, Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned, in the land of Canaan. These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pastoring the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilna and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. Now, let's just pause real quick. Uh, what the author is trying to hint heavily to you is Joseph is young, but he's leading. Joseph is young, but for some reason he's leading his brothers that are much older than him. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. That always goes well when younger brother brings Younger sibling, period, brings back a, a bad report, right? Now, here's salt in the wound. Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was a son of his old age and he made him a very colored tunic. No idea why our Bible say very colored. <laughs> it's just a tunic with a long, long sleeve. Uh, his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers. So they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Quite literally, could not speak shalom. 
could not speak shalom. Then Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. I want you guys to picture your favorite episode of The Office with, with Michael uh, totally oblivious to the, uh, what's going on in the room, right? It gets cringier and cringier as, as the story along goes along. Picture that. This <laughs> and he said to them, please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Then his brother said to him, are you actually going to reign over us? I think there were some curse words mixed in there somewhere. Or do you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Not just because he had the dream, but because he had to say something about it. Now, <laughs> and this is where the cringe factor goes up. He had still another dream and related to his brothers. Not that he had the dream, but that he related it. He said, lo, I have had still another dream and behold, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He related to his father and to his brothers and his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream that you have had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come bow ourselves down before you to the ground? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in his mind. His father kept the saying in his mind. Now I'll, I'll say this as we pause here for a moment. Um, does that line remind you of a similar line maybe found in? Yeah. Yeah, Mary treasured things being said in her heart. There's some messianic overtones here. Joseph is nothing like Jesus, but there's some messianic overtones nonetheless. It's like the precursor, hey, this is what a Messiah could look like, but actually I got a much, 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 much better version coming. So just keep waiting. Um, so just to recap, Joseph, he's 17 years old. He's leading men, grown men in their 30s and their 40s. He's bringing back a bad report. His father loves him more than his brothers. He's got a coat to show it, right? His brothers hated Joseph. It's the same word when we're told earlier in the narrative that Jacob hated Leah. You're going to hate my mom. I'm going to hate my stepbrother. They could not speak shalom. They couldn't speak peace. They couldn't be at peace. The words, wasn't just the words, but it was their, everything about them were in conflict with each other. And, and Joseph has a dream and you know what? Now God's involved. Have you ever been in that situation where you were like, 
why does it seem like God is blessing the person that is causing me the most problems? Isn't that a hard pill to swallow? And then Joseph has a second dream. And, and now God's confirming the matter. Remember, we talked about in Acts how Peter has three dreams and that's like, you know, 50% more than, like in the Old Testament, two dreams, God is making sure you know this is going to happen. And this brings even more hate. God's showing up in our family's life, but we've got even more discontent. That's hard. And he's rebuked by his dad. This is our story. I think the thing we have to really wrestle with though, like this is an honest question. Why does God give Joseph a dream in these circumstances? Does that seem odd? Like, is God playing favorites? Some implications for this first section. And I'll start with Jacob. I'll start with the dad. Family is safest when everyone is favored. Mom, dad, uh, leader, pastor, Everyone is safest or family is safest when everyone is favored. And I'm not talking about equality because equality would say everybody gets a coat. You guys remember Ivan last winter? That dude wore what most of us are wearing today, shorts and a t-shirt all winter long. You give Ivan a coat, in the winter, summer, winter, it doesn't matter when, it's not a blessing. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Christy and I made a decision early on because of our experience. Her experience with her grandmother, I think primarily. Uh, my experience with my parents. We have four favorite children. That doesn't mean we favor them the same way. We have to work hard. We've had to work hard to figure out how to favor them. As a church family, you are my favorites. And so is everyone else that will enter through those doors. And so is everyone else that is even thinking about those doors. And so is everyone else that hasn't even thought about the doors, don't even know that doors exist. If, we're not, if that's not true, then we're not safe. If you have to be a certain skin tone in order to come to Mission Ridge, that's not safe. If you have to have a certain background or maybe not a certain background, that's not safe. If there are certain sins that we, that we consider more deviant than others, that's not safe. Family is safest when everyone's favored. To Joseph, I'd say this. Handle your dreams and your giftings with humility. Can you imagine how different this story would have been if, if Joseph would have just been humble? 
Like have the dream because God gave you the dream. That's how you talk about the dream or, or when you talk about a dream, right? I'm, what was it 21.17? What, what's, the, what's the Proverbs? 17.28. Oh, you know what? I, I, I had the 28 and 17 backwards. I knew it wasn't that late. <laughs> Proverbs 17.28. Even a fool seems wise when he keeps his mouth shut. I mean, Joseph will have just been quiet. Have the dreams. Treasure them in your heart. Go, go find wisdom. To Joseph, I'd also say this. God's blessing in your life are meant to overflow into the lives of others. Our blessings are meant to overflow into the lives. And I think Joseph will learn this eventually, whatever blessing we have, they're meant to overflow. Otherwise they rot. It's like the manna. You pick up too much manna, hoping it's going to be there tomorrow. It's just going to be rot. To the brothers, I'd say this, celebrate the success of others, even when it costs you. Celebrate the success of others. Man, Joseph, that's so cool. How, how, how different would the story have been if the brothers would have been humble enough to go, man, I don't get it. That's a cool dream. I, I'm excited for to see what happens there. In fact, maybe humility is the great change agent that comes, comes to conflict within family. I, I wasn't always ready to celebrate my brother's success. You know, we were three years apart. Uh, I think I was maybe, let me say I'm 52 today, so maybe 51, no. Uh, it, was a few, it was five years ago when I finally got to the point where I could celebrate my brother's success. And now I do it as often as I can. He was here for my ordination. I wanted him I wanted him to have a speaking role for my ordination. I'm the older brother. He was ordained first. Love it. Love it. That man could have first place in my life as often as we should be celebrating each other's successes. So let's continue on with the story. Then his brothers went to pasture their father's flock in Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers pasturing the flock in Shechem? Come and I'll send you to them. And he said to him, I will go. And then he said, go now and see about the welfare of your brothers and the welfare of the flock. Bring word back to me. So he sent him from the Valley of Hebron and he came to Shechem. Now, if you remember from last week, the last time they were in Shechem, things didn't go so hot. A lot of bloodshed. If this was a movie, this is a part of the movie where the, where the music starts to change to a darker tone. Just to let you know that 
rut row, things are getting bad. Okay. A man found him and behold, he was wandering in the field and the man asked him, what are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for my brothers. Please tell me where they are pasturing the flock. Then the man said, they have moved from here for I heard them say, let's go to Dotham. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dotham. When they saw him from a distance and before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. Things, that's, that's hard. That's family. That's two brothers in the field and one of them not coming home. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Now then come and let us kill him, throw him into the, one of the pits and we will say a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hands and said, let us not take his life. Reuben further said, shed no blood, throw him into the pit that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him that he might rescue him out of their hands to restore him to his father. Now Reuben is the oldest and Reuben actually lives up to his role as the Behor, as the eldest within this patriarch, this Aleph Bet, this father's house. He was to live out his dad's values and put them on display. That's what we do as a kingdom of priests. We live out the values that, that we see within Jesus. And so Reuben's doing something supposed to be doing here. So it came about... When Joseph reached his brothers, they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the very colored tunic that was on him. And they put him and threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty without any water in it. Then they sat down to eat a meal. And as they raised their eyes and looked, behold, a caravan Ishmaelites were coming from Galid with their camels bearing aromatic gum and balm and myrrh on their way to bring them down to Egypt. By the way, when it says that they uh, sat down to eat a meal, in Hebrew quite literally says that they sat down to eat bread. This is, this is more than satisfying hunger. Uh, and on one hand, like they were, they were pretty comfortable with what they're doing because they're eating, right? Um, I don't know if you ever had a friend say, hey, let's do such and such. And you're like, okay, but you're not really in, you're not really like you're half-hearted about it. And someone hands you some food and you're like, I can't eat right now. <laughs> like I'm going along with this, but I'm not really happy. Now these guys were, they were eating and the breaking of bread together. Like we take communion together. They were in one accord. They were in this together. They, they had, this was, they had one heart. Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then 
some Midianite traders passed by. So they pulled them up and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Thus they brought Joseph to Egypt. That's kind of a weird addition there. Why do we need to know about the Midianites? Now Reuben returned to the pit and behold, Joseph was not in the pit. So he tore his garments. He returned to his brothers and said, the boy is not there. As for me, where am I to go? So they took Joseph's tunic and slaughtered a male goat and dipped the tunic in the blood. And they sent the very colored tunic and brought it to their father and said, we found this, please examine it to see whether it is your son's tunic or not. Then he examined it and said, it is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Now the boys said that they were going to tell dad. They were, they were like pretty bold at one point. We'll just tell dad that a beast tore him. They didn't want to tell dad nothing. They sent the very colored tunic, it says, and brought it to their father. (laughs) They went from being exceptionally brave and bold out in the wilderness to not very brave and bold in front of their dad. We should pay attention to that. Then he examined it and said, it's my son's tunic. While beast has devoured him, Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. So Jacob tore his clothes and put on sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. Then all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, surely I will go down to Sheol in the morning for my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer, the captain of the bodyguard. And that's our story. Only 36 verses this week. Mm -hmm. Did you notice the title of the sermon? If you grab your bulletin. Did you notice who done it? That is an amazing word. We love that word, Logan and I. Who sold Joseph? What say thee? Who sold Joseph? Rashbaum uh, was uh, was a rabbi. Uh, I, I believe he predated Jesus. He's got a theory, and I want to cover that theory with you guys. And I want to do it by just showing you pieces of the text. So we're we're told first that they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites. They saw a caravan of Ishmaelites. And so the brothers say, come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. Now, apparently, when the Ishmaelites are off at a distance, you can tell that they're Ishmaelites. There's something about the way the Ishmaelites travel because I don't think the brothers ever got that close to the Ishmaelites. Let's go to the next slide. There we go. So come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And then we're told that the Midianite traders passed 
by. And they lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites. Now that word they can be kind of confusing. Which they are we talking about? The people that talked about selling the brother or the people that were passing by? Why are the Midianites in this story at all? It's kind of confusing. Head scratcher. And then the last thing we're told is that the Midianites sold him in Egypt to Potiphar. It's the last line of text about this transaction. Rashbon's theory is this, that the boys intended to sell Joseph. Joseph is in a pit. They're not near the pit because Reuben went and then he came back to them and didn't find Joseph at some point, right? After he sold. Uh, they, 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 may, they see the Ishmaelites, whether they, they said this as in jest and they all laughed about it because, I mean, wouldn't that be salt in someone's wound? Oh yeah, your son got sold to uh, your distant cousin that you hate. Dad, that might be a little bit of salt in Abraham's wound or Jacob's wound. Abraham too, but Abraham will be turning over in his grave. Um, They intended, but we're told that the Midianites come along and they pull them out. According to Rashbam, they are the ones that pulled him out and sold Joseph. So who done it? Does, does it, does it matter? Are the boys really going to go home and, 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 and feel like they have a clean conscience? We thought about selling our brother, but we didn't. So we're clean. Uh, it reminds me of the times with my brother and I where uh, I'm mad at my brother. He, you know, he does something. Uh, maybe I did something, then he did something, and now I'm chasing him. And I'm going to push him down, but somehow I, I stop and he doesn't and he falls down. Am I any less culpable than I as my parents? I, I had the intent. I didn't follow through, but my actions led to my brother hitting the ground anyway. Like, isn't that the way parents are going to see that story play out? How's God going to see? And, and the boys, they went from really bold to kind of meek. Maybe their conscience is getting the better of them. See, when we can't bless somebody, we're, we're, we're cursing them. When we're unwilling to bless, we're bringing curses and we're not living out the gospel. The grace of Jesus causes us to live 
differently. The grace that we've received, we're supposed to give. The, the overflow of blessing of God in our lives is supposed to result in, a, in the overflow of blessing in other people's lives. And, and it has to be true of our lips. James says that, that, that out of one mouth, you shouldn't have both blessing and cursing. And yet, in my experience with myself, I don't know about you guys, but man, some of the words that come out of my mouth. My wife even reminded me this week, she goes, uh, do we have any favorite dogs? Because <laughs> I love Sissy. Stevie, he could drive me nuts some days. Oh, man. I'm like, man, I hurt my wife's heart because I'm frustrated with our dog and I, I just won't let things go. Every relationship, when we live out the grace that we've received from Christ, it'll change it. It'll change that relationship. We received reconciliation, Peter says, and we are to live out a ministry of reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God, and then our role is to reconcile others to that same God. The blessings that we receive are supposed to overflow into the lives of other people. And so, two more implications. Avoid the temptation of seeking revenge when there is an imbalance of power. You got Jacob and Joseph and you have his brothers. And there's an imbalance of power. Joseph has all the blessings. He has the authority. And his brothers are tired of that. And what I've seen over and over and over again is when the younger is oppressed by the older or the smaller is uh, oppressed by the, the, the bigger or you have the uh, one people group that's, that's oppressed by the other people group that when things flip-flop, when suddenly the oppressed now have some kind of power, they will use it in a destructive way way. When there's an imbalance of power in your life and you are the oppressed, what's your response going to be? What's your response going to be? When you're angry, time is your ally. Don't be rash to make plans. Don't be rash to make plans. Scripture says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I want to take you back to the question I asked earlier. Why does God give Joseph a dream in these circumstances? 
why does it seem like God is blessing the one that seems to be causing the most problems within family? And I think the answer is this. You could ignore conflict within family, but God will make you face it eventually. You could, you could ignore conflict for a season, uh, sometimes decades, sometimes generations, but God will make you face it eventually. But here's the deal. God is always in the business of restoration. He's always in the business of redemption. He's always in the business of of healing brokenness. He's always in the business of putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. Always in that business. And his intent, when he makes you face that thing that as as a family, as a community, as a couple that you've been trying to ignore is to lead you down a path of redemption. But you have a part. You have a, you have a part to play. And we're going to see how, how Jacob, how Joseph, how the brothers live out that part as we finish the rest of Genesis. We're going to see some ways the way they, they, they start to respond. They start to own things. They start to deal with the log in their own eye. But I'll take you back to the things that we've already said. Family is safest when everyone is favored. Handle your dreams and your giftings with humility. God's blessings in your life are meant to overflow into the lives of others. And we are to celebrate the success of other people. When God blesses someone else, we're to celebrate that. And we're to avoid seeking revenge. So like I said, we'll see how Jacob, Joseph, and the brothers do their part. And the question is, in your context, within your family, will you do yours? Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come say hello. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.